Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to up-level their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour podcast. I'm here today with Meg Wheeler. Meg is the co-founder of One for Women, an online gift company that sources its products from women makers and gives back to nonprofits that support women. She also teaches and mentors women looking to leave their nine to five jobs and start their own businesses and runs her blog, The Leap of Faith Society. A realtor turned international tax accountant turned startup CEO, Meg is passionate about empowering women a believer in constant reinvention and never takes herself too seriously. I'm so excited to have Meg here today and chat all about turning, um, you know, running a product-based business because it's a lot different than a service-based business, as you probably know. So I'm really excited to get into this episode and let's dive right in. Hey Meg, welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here and can't wait to chat more about running a product-based business with you. So before we go and dive into the episode, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and just how you got started doing it all? Sure. So thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you today. So I have a little bit of a varied background. I actually was in the real estate field when I left college and I worked for a really fantastic real estate startup in Austin, Texas. And while I loved the people, it just, real estate was not for me. So I actually left that when my husband decided to go to law school and I decided to go back to school myself and I got my MBA and I got an accounting degree because I loved numbers. So I thought that was going to be the thing for me. And I spent the last eight years pretty much working in the accounting field. So my last uh, job actually in corporate was as an international tax uh, strategy person for a major university's endowment. And, you know, I really loved the work, but I just kept having this nagging feeling that there was more out there for me and that I could have a bigger impact. So I actually had a a baby in, in all of this time. And when I came back from my maternity leave, I found out that my role was uh, changing as a result of some bigger organizational changes. And it was going to be focusing on something that I just was not interested in. So I took that as my kick in the butt. And I basically was like, all right, well, here I go. And so I put in my notice. I had no clue what I was going to do, but I just knew that I wanted to do something different. So I spent a couple of weeks trying to figure it out. And I just, the thing I kept coming back to was I want to build something. I want to create something with meaning and something with impact. So I started with my mom. I started one for women. And so we are an online gift company. We offer affordable gift sets for what we call the small moments in life. So job promotions, breakups, bad days, things like that. And all of our products are actually sourced from women makers. So it was very important to us that we support women in business, especially women who are starting out and don't have huge exposure in the marketplace. And then we also give a portion of our proceeds back to nonprofit organizations that support women and girls. Again, because we really just feel like as women, we 
have this, you know, great opportunity to help other women and help girls just be the best that they can possibly be and build businesses that they really care about and that have great impact on this world. So that is, that's what we're doing right now. And we've been, uh, we launched a couple months ago, so we've only been around for a few months, but already just the reaction has been phenomenal. I love that. I love, I'm a big proponent of supporting women-owned businesses. Obviously, I'm a women-owned business myself. So like that, that's such a great mission. And, you know, being able to have those products from other women in your shop is just really, really cool. And it kind of just helps get women business owners out there even further. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you mentioned the accounting background. It's funny, my husband's an uh, well, he has an accounting background as well. Now he's more on the financial side of things. But whenever you said, I love numbers, I was like, oh gosh, they would get along so well. <laughs> I'm not a numbers person whatsoever. So it's it's good to have that on my side since, you know, I'm more of the yes. brains and he's more of the, you know, more organized strategy type stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So your shop is really cool. I took a look at it. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. I, I just love what you're doing. And a lot of what my listeners are primarily service-based businesses. So I really wanted to get on someone who runs more of a product-based business because it's, it's a bit different than service-based businesses. So what does a typical day look like for you as a product business owner, like product-based business owner? Like how does that differ from being a service-based business owner um, from your experience? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, it, in some ways it is different. I think in a lot of ways it is the same, but there are definitely some big differences. So obviously, you know, unlike a service-based business, we have products. So we have a lot of inventory. So that is, you know, for anyone who's thinking about maybe going into the product-based business, uh, even though our gift sets are really small, it takes up a lot of space. So that's a big, uh, a big difference for us. And so we actually keep everything currently in my house, but it's, uh, we're growing very quickly out of that space. So a typical day for me, you know, honestly, I think probably does in many ways mirror that of a service-based business. The biggest things that I find myself working on, um, certainly the administration operational type stuff, which of course I try to automate or outsource as much as possible, but I think we all can, uh, can share sort of that that responsibility in our businesses. And then strategy is a big thing for me as well. So because we do products, we're always thinking about a few months down the road or six months down the road. For example, right now it's the summer, but we're thinking about the holidays. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have to be really in tune with that because it does take a while to find our products, to order them, to have them shipped to us. So unlike a service-based business or even a digital products-based business, there's a lot more lead time. And so we do a lot of planning around that. But, you know, the other thing I spend my time doing most days is marketing. And I think for all of that, all of us, that's, that's really kind of the same. It's how do we find customers or clients who believe in what we're doing, who, you know, need what we're providing them and who are willing to build that relationship with us. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I, doing the marketing is a huge point for any small business, whether product or service based, because you know, you're not a huge company with that clout. You have to build it yourself. So I definitely get that. 
So um, how do you, you know, how do you market to your potential customers as a product-based business? Do you, do you think it differs? Do you have certain social media channels that work better for you than others as a product-based business? How does that work for you? I, I do think it differs to some extent. So for us, I would say probably the biggest marketing tools we use right now, certainly Instagram, that's huge for us. Um, you know, obviously having products, photography, is important and we we have something that people can visually connect with which is great another marketing tool that i think is really important for product-based businesses especially is actually pinterest and we are new we're newer to pinterest but i have already seen the value in having a really strong presence because you know, for anyone who thinks that Pinterest is a social media tool, it really isn't. It's a, it's a search engine and it's in some ways a million times better than Google because it gives you pictures and people just do connect with things so much better when they have a visual representation. So we love Pinterest because it gives us a chance for our customers who are searching, you know, for example, if someone's searching for the best gift for your friend that just got dumped, you can go to Google and search for that, but you're going to get just a bunch of text listings, or you can go to Pinterest and search for that and find all of these awesome photos of the gift sets that we provide. And that is just such a great tool for us to use to get in front of our potential customers. Yes, I totally agree. So as a Pinterest strategist, I always tell my clients that like, you know, mm. visual search engine. And then I also say like, you can be a product-based business, you can be a service-based business. Pretty much anyone has the potential to be successful on Pinterest um, if you're yes. not in business. Maybe not so great for locals because it is harder to target, you know, locals on Pinterest just because their ad targeting isn't as um, in-depth as Facebook in terms of like geo-targeting for locals. But as a product or service-based online business, Pinterest is where it's at for pretty, it works for pretty much everyone. Like there isn't a person that I work <laughs> with that Pinterest did not work for. So, um, if you guys aren't on I, I, yet, go for it, like you need to be on there. Um, you know, selling your digital products, your physical products, you know, it's, it's a really great outlet, even just to get people on your website. So I agree with that. And the one thing I would say too, for anyone who is a local product business owner, even if you don't think that you're ever going to go online or you're ever going to get bigger than your little local area, I would still start building up that presence both on social media, but also on Pinterest now, because you, it doesn't take that much, especially if you have beautiful products and beautiful photography, or you can get it pretty easily. And I just think it's so important to build that. I wish we had started building our presence the minute I left my job and we didn't. And I, you know, I regret that. So just build it now. You never know what opportunities will come for you down the line. Yeah. It's always good to think ahead too, because, you know, even if you just feel like you're only going to serve your local space, what if someone online finds one of your products and is like, wow, I really love this. And they become a customer. They wouldn't be able to become a customer if you didn't have that social media connection. Because exactly. So it's, you know, the time and effort that it takes to build those profiles up front, you may not need to be super active on them, but at least having them in case you ever do want to go online is really important. So what kind of systems do you have in place to keep your business running smoothly? Um, obviously, all business owners need some kind of system. So what, like, what are the ones that you use that you, you know, you need in your life to keep you organized? 
Oh my gosh, I'm such a systems person. So I love this question. And I actually do, to go back to the day in the life, I spend a lot of time every day looking for new systems to help us. But some of the ones that we use that I think are, are really helpful. So we use Asana to track all of our projects and things to do. And I think that's great, whether you are product-based or service-based. We, um, on the product side of things, so we do all of our ordering on our website through Shopify. And I think that that's a really great tool as well because it automates a lot of the process. So it automates the order confirmation email, the shipping emails, things like that. And then similarly, we use ShipStation, which helps us process all of the shipping of our gift sets. And that does a lot of automation for us. So for a you've caught on maybe by this point, I'm a huge automation person. Yeah. Anything I can automate, I will. Um, and so I think like anytime we look at a system, we think about like, you know, how easy is this for us to automate and, and does the system allow us to do that? Another one that I actually just recently got into is drip for okay. your email marketing. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. And I mean, I actually think, I think this is a good resource for product or service-based businesses, but it's, it's really intended for e-commerce. And so I think it can work really well for product-based businesses because it allows you to create, like I, I sort of compare it to ConvertKit okay. for product-based businesses oh, cool. because it really allows you to create those workflows so that you can follow that customer through their journey and have touch points at each process. So that's a big one for us as well. Yeah, no, I heard about Drip before, um, but I am a ConvertKit user. Just you know, yep. like you mentioned, it's good for service-based businesses. I actually um, am on their support team as well. So um, you know, if anyone is listening, uh, if you write in, you will, um, you might get me as a your support person. But <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I've seen Drip, and so do they have like features where you can send like abandoned cart emails and things like that, or? Absolutely. Yeah. So you can do abandoned cart emails. You can do, if they've put something, if they've, you know, looked at it, if they've put it in the cart, if they've gotten to that next step, if they've bought this thing, but not that thing, there's just a lot of customization. And you can also, what I love about drip, we've, we're just looking into this now, but you can also, once they've signed up on your list or they've purchased something, you can also add them to your Facebook retargeting group, okay. which is huge because for us, if someone comes to our website and signs up for our, you know, our discount code or a newsletter, we can then basically follow them to Facebook and now start targeting our ads to them to say like, Hey, you clearly like us. You signed up, you started to engage. How can we get you to that sort of final point to buy one of our gift sets? Yeah, I love that. Um, it's definitely helpful and, you know, like attracting the warm audience is a lot easier than targeting the cold audience because they already kind of know you. They signed up for your emails or they took some type of action on your website, even if it wasn't a purchase. So they are familiar and the cold traffic is a little bit harder to target. You know, you can do it, but it's not as um, easy in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's really cool. Um, I'll have to like make recommendations to anyone that I know that has a product-based business with Drip because I never know what to recommend because I, you know, mm. I do have digital products 
And I do have something that has abandoned cart emails. I actually use Kajabi now, which is like a course creation, kind of like teachable, but um, yes. there's a little bit more features. You can like send abandoned cart emails. You can, you know, do upsells and all these things within Kajabi. And you can also like, create membership websites even there. So it's a little more advanced, but I use that in, um, you know, with ConvertKit as well. So I have like both of the features. So it's really nice, but I'll definitely recommend Drip for more product-based businesses um, further down the line. But yeah, no, that's good to know because I, I haven't used a platform before. I just had heard of it because um, I use lead pages, and I'm pretty sure that's like they're connected somehow. But, oh, maybe. Yeah, they may be. Yeah, that's true. And and you can definitely use Drip too if you're a service-based business. But I actually, so I also do some. Uh, consulting with wannabe entrepreneurs, as I call them. And I actually use ConvertKit for that platform. So I've used both. And I think okay. if you're a service-based business on ConvertKit, I think you're getting a lot of that functionality already. But if you're not, Drip is a good option to consider as well. Oh, that's good to know. Um, so, you know, you said you came from corporate and you worked more so in like the accounting realm. So was it difficult for you to kind of get into that entrepreneurial mindset and kind of learn the systems and processes that it takes to run a business or even just like the marketing strategies behind it, because it is definitely different, um, a different field. Absolutely. So marketing has actually been the, the most challenging thing for me because that's the piece that I have the least background in. You know, I think I actually benefited coming from a, a very financially based, uh, you know, investment based backgrounds, because when I went into my business, I looked at it very much from that business mindset. And so that was helpful. But, you know, for me, the thing that I found the most helpful when I did make this transition was sitting down and saying, what do I want my business to look like? So that meant everything from doing, you know, financial projections and goals, uh, you know, one year out, two years out, but also setting structure to that business. What hours do I want to be in my office? How, you know, when and how do I want to be responding to emails? When and how are we going to fulfill orders? And so I really just sat down and started to basically create in many ways, an operations manual for my business as if I was running a big corporation. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that's an important thing to do that a lot of people don't do when they first jump into their businesses, especially service-based businesses I've found. And if you don't do that, you're going to find yourself getting burnt out because you're answering emails 24 seven and your clients are coming at you, you know, 24 seven. And so I think for me, actually coming from that corporate environment, that was very helpful because I already really had that mindset. And so now my company is, even though we're very, very small, it's just a few of us, we really are set up in many ways, much like a big corporation in, in the good ways, not the bad ways. <laughs> and so I think that, <laughs> I think that's helped a lot. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. And I think a lot of creatives just forget that in the beginning because they just want to start putting their either products or services or offerings in general out there. And they kind of forget about all the things like that they need, like contracts, like the not so fun stuff. Yes. Because um, I know when I first started, I was like, I'm just ready to help people with social media. You know, I know what a contract <laughs> is, but no one's going to burn me. And then I get burned and then I'm like, okay, now I need a contract. And that's not how you should be running things. It's definitely a good learning experience and it yes. works for me, but uh, I do not recommend it. <laughs> so, you know, having those things in place beforehand, like, I mean, if, yes. you, 
if you're growing and you already have taken on a few, you know, either clients or customers, then that's fine. But definitely make that a priority in the beginning, not something that's an afterthought because things like contracts or, you know, your office hours or, you know, just setting those boundaries from the get go is just really important because you don't want people in your inbox 24 seven and expecting a response from you because then you put more pressure on yourself and you don't need to do that. That's so true. And, you know, I'm just going to put my tax hat on for one second here. I, so, I, yeah, obviously I'm, or, you know, was am an accountant and I'm actually married to an attorney. So for anyone listening who is terrified of the legal or financial aspects of either setting your business up or running your business, honestly, reach out to me. I have so many resources. I'm happy to help, but do not ignore that piece of it. I think especially creatives, you know, do sort of tend to like shrivel up at the thought of anything sort of legal or tax based or financial based. And it's so important to figure that stuff out now in the beginning when you don't make a lot of money and you're really not on the radar of anyone uh, because it'll cost you so much more down the line if you don't figure it out now. So reach out to me, find me. I am happy to help because I'm just very passionate about making sure nobody screws up that piece. Well, that's very nice of you because yeah, a lot of people like get to the point where they're already in the depth of things and they're like, okay, well now I just have to deal with it and then make my yes. like processes, but it's like really necessary to get done from the get go. So you don't run into those issues and it just kind of sets the tone for your business because you know, you have to start treating it like a business from the beginning. If you're treating it like a hobby, then, you know, it's going to be a hobby. You need to take the measures to make it more official, more of a business. So, you know, I'm not saying you need to start your LLC or anything like that. Like the second that you decide you're going to start a business, because that's not always feasible for everyone, but, you know, take those steps to make yourself more professional and set yourself up for success versus just going on the fly and, you know, like flying by the seat of your pants for everything. Cause you know, that can be okay in some ways, but it's not going to be the best fit for most people because, you know, you could run into legal issues or, you know, things with your taxes and things like that. And you do not want to mess with the IRS. <laughs> so I completely agree with that. And, you know, speaking of product uh, company differences, actually, that made me think of one, which is sales tax. So, you know, a lot of service-based businesses don't need to pay sales tax, potentially. That's not me telling you that. (laughs) That's just, you know, please call your accountant. Um, But with a product-based business, more likely than not, you're going to have some kind of sales tax Mm -hmm. reach depending on where you have to pay that. So that's another thing to think about when you are a product-based business is, get, you know, getting registered in the state, getting all of the sales tax certificates that you need, because you do need to have those both when you're buying products from vendors at wholesale, you'll need a certificate, but then also when you're selling to your customers. And then you actually need to think about the collection and reporting of that sales tax. And that's a whole nother piece as well. So we use through Shopify, there's a great plugin and I'm forgetting the name, but we use it and it actually takes all of the sales from our store tells us how much we owe and then pays it, you know, from our bank account, but pays it on our behalf. And so just looking for tools like that is, is I think a great way to do it, but make sure you think about that stuff because it does have to be done and they will find you if you don't. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I don't have any experience with because I do have digital products, but the, even with that, it's a little different. Uh, I know there's some, you know, potential happenings with that changing with 
digital products having sales tax, which would really, really suck um, because, you know, it's not actually, you're not shipping it to anyone or anything like that. Um, so I'm hoping that that gets overturned, but who knows? Um, so yeah, that's nothing, something I don't have experience with. So it's nice to kind of have that insight from you because, you know, like I said, if someone asked me that, I'd be like, I don't know. I know you have to, but, uh, I really have no idea. Um, you know, their guess is as good as mine on that, but yeah, that's really like good to keep in mind because, you know, when you are deciding, you know, what kind of business do I want to run, whether it's like a service, a product, or like a mix of digital products slash services, you know, it's good to keep in mind all the things that need to be done and the differences between one or the other. Absolutely. And just the last thing I'll say on that, if you are running a service or a digital products-based business and you, you sell something that is physical in addition to that digital product or in addition to your service, just keep in mind that that can potentially taint that transaction and make the whole thing subject to sales tax. So just kind of think about that. Don't just think like, oh, I'll just throw this on. It's no big deal. Um, obviously talk to your accountant, you know, do your research because it may or may not do that, but just keep that in mind. If you are um, doing digital products or services and you're considering like, maybe I'll throw in a workbook or I'll throw in, I don't know, some other product. Gifts are okay, but if you're actually throwing in a product that can, that can taint the whole transaction. And the rules are so like, it's like such a fine line and there's some gray areas yes. and stuff. And, you know, it's just, it's always good in the case that you don't know what to do to consult an accountant or, you know, if it's something like law related, a lawyer, just having something like that. I know it can be a little expensive, but you're better to be safe than sorry in that case, because I <laughs> would not want anyone to <laughs> have to go through any of that because I imagine it is not a good time. So, you know, just, just, you know, when things are in that gray area, asking someone about it, you know, making sure that you are not doing something that you think is okay when it's actually not because that gray area is not very well defined, um, unfortunately, mm. but yeah, just kind of making sure that you're in the clear because you don't want to run into any issues down the line where you have to, you know, pay up a big amount of money when it would have only been a smaller fee because you didn't follow the rules or things like that. So, you know, just kind of consulting a, an accountant or a lawyer or anything like that, just to make sure that you are doing what you need to be doing to be compliant. Absolutely. And I promise that's all I'll say on tax. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, now let's dive into the three questions that I ask everyone that comes on the show. So what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it? Oh my gosh. I, you know, I love being an entrepreneur. I, I think, I think an entrepreneur is really just someone who loves to create and build things and, and is always looking for a way to solve problems. And I, you know, I always used to refer to myself as a problem solver. That's pretty much all I did in my last job. And I loved it. And for me, that's what an entrepreneur is. So being one, being someone who is making something and putting something out into the world and, you know, sort of being in the lives of people is a very cool and empowering feeling. You know, I'll tell you kind of a fun, it's a little funny example. It's a little bit stalkerish, but it's funny. We, uh, we got an order about a month ago and I, I actually recognized the address. It was near uh, somebody I know. 
And so I happened to be maybe, you know, a few days later, I happened to be driving by this house and I saw our gift box on their front porch. It had just been delivered that day. And I was like, you know, that's cool. Like, I don't know those people. I don't know what it was for or, you know, who it's going to, but something I created is now going to be in that person's life. And when I think about why I started this journey, you know, I wanted to have a bigger impact and that one box has so much impact that, you know, it supported women business owners. It's supporting a nonprofit, but it's also hopefully bringing some cheer to the person who is getting that box that day. And so for me being an entrepreneur, that is what it is all about. You know, I, I just, that impact for me is, is so important. But, um, but I also, you know, I also too think, I mean, look, the, the perks to being an entrepreneur are you, you truly are in the driver's seat of your life. You know, I own full control of what my path looks like and whether I work today or I take today off, whether I put a new product out there or I don't, I am fully in control of all of those decisions. And that can be scary. It is scary. Yeah. But it's very cool. Like I wouldn't trade that for anything. Right. You know, it's, I just love it. No, I love, I love what you said. And it's really cool to be able to not only impact the people who are producing those products that you're selling, but also the person who is receiving the product. So you have an impact, not on just like as a service-based business owner, typically you impact the person who you're working with directly, but there's like, you know, maybe your social media help will impact, you know, someone else, but you know that you're impacting the people who produce Mm. the products and also the person who is receiving the product. So it's like, you know, you're getting to impact multiple people's lives through just this one thing, which is great. Um, And I love the thing about being in the driver's seat because it's so true. Like you are in control of your own destiny. And if your business succeeds or fails, yes, that is all on you, which can be rather terrifying because, you know, it's just, it's scary. You know, you, you have all the control and you know, what you do with that control is a hundred percent up to you. And you know, you can either succeed or fail. So, you know, it's nice to be in control of your own destiny and not everyone wants that power, but if you are a born and bred entrepreneur and someone who has that in their DNA basically, or, you know, just has that drive to be an entrepreneur, then it's, it's not going to be as scary as someone who, you know, would prefer to be working under someone else and is completely content with that. I completely agree. So what is your favorite tool that you use in your business? I know we kind of talked about a couple like Asana and Shopify and stuff, but is there anything else that you just couldn't live without in your day-to-day life? This doesn't even need to be business related, just something that aids you in life in general. Oh my goodness. You know, I have so many, but I, I guess I have two. So the, the first one, and it's actually a couple, I would say are just really my social media scheduling tools. Uh, so we use Planoly for Instagram and we use uh, Crowdfire for Twitter and we use Tailwind for Pinterest. And I, I just, I mean, they, they save my life. I can't even imagine companies and I know companies who are literally still posting, you know, on their own manually every day. And it just, I don't even, I don't understand. So those are big for me. Um, you know, the other thing 
I, I've done, and I've done this in my business, but also personally, and it's made a world of difference, is figured out how to manage my email. So I've done this in sort of two small ways that I think are fairly universal to most people. The first is I use something called unenroll me. Um, I think it's, so it's, it's, uh, or sorry, unroll me. So it's unroll.me. Yeah. And I love that. What, it, what that does is it basically scours your inbox to see all of the subscriptions that you, uh, newsletters that you've subscribed to. And then it'll essentially allow you to either unsubscribe or you can actually roll them all up into one daily, I think maybe weekly email. And that's been huge for me as well. So I, and I do that for my personal email and, it, and my work emails. But I also just recently started, I created an email address just for my newsletter subscriptions. And so I have everything, I have one for personal, one for business, and all of my newsletter subscriptions go there so that I can sit in my inbox now. I don't sit there, but I can sit there for a period of time every day and not be bombarded by all of these newsletters that I want to read and I get really distracted. And so now what I am trying to do is at the end of every week, I go into that subscriptions, you know, email and I go through and I sort of call through that list and it's working, you know, pretty well for me, me right now. You don't have to go the route of having your own completely separate email. You can use filtering and all of that. But for me, I was finding that they were like still getting to me. I was still seeing them. So I really did need to just completely separate them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really a tool per se, but it's, it's a method that I have uh, recently experimented with and I would highly recommend for anyone who gets really distracted by newsletters. <laughs> so I actually took the filter route. So I just did a filter. Anything that has an unsubscribe, unsubscribe URL goes into the unsubscribe um, filter. Yep. And then I'll go and look in that like once a day or so, because sometimes it'll put like people who respond to my newsletter in there, which obviously I want to respond. Oh to yeah. People. But um, it works for me because it's not going directly into my inbox. So I can see my client inquiries and anytime my clients email me, because obviously they're not going to have an unsubscribe URL, but um, anything like that, it stays prevalent in my inbox and um, things that aren't as pressing like other people's newsletters, I still get them and they're still all in one place, but they're not like in the forefront of my inbox. So I'm not having yes. an overwhelming inbox every day. Cause sometimes I would get in my inbox and I would already have like 10 newsletters from people in addition to client inquiries or, um, you know, just general clients that are already on my roster that are emailing me and stuff. So it would be super overwhelming. So it's just so nice to have that in a different tab. And then I also have like filters with like my appointments. So all my appointments will go to one filter and they still go to my general one, but I like having it in one place if I'm like, you know, trying to find a certain appointment and things like that. So it just makes it so much easier. So, you know, I definitely recommend checking out just setting up filters in your Gmail account. It's so easy and it makes life. Yes. It makes your life so much better and your inbox is way less insane and overwhelming. It, it is. And for anyone who's wondering why, so I actually used to have filters and I agree. I actually think they work really, really, really well for like most people. For me, the separate email, I just felt like I needed, I just needed that separation. Like it was almost a mental thing Yeah. so that that email, like it's not even on, you know, my sort of main email desktop screen. Like I just needed that separation. So I, it was almost like I literally just got so deep in email that I was like, I need to get rid of you. But I totally agree. I love filters. I use them for pretty much everything else. So I think that's a good place to start. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the only one that's super organized. My blog email and my business email. If you look at my personal email, my husband gets anxiety when he sees like the little notification on my phone because it's like 10,000 unread emails. And that's my personal email that I don't really check that often. The only thing that goes there are like sales deals and like things like that. But yeah, so it's just really funny because that one is so disorganized. I mean, I still have filters Mm -hmm. in there, but I just don't ever check it. So it's not like a main inbox for me, but it's just, yeah. If I go in there for too long, it gets really, really overwhelming and I I need to get out because it's too much. But (laughs) for- I know the feeling. (laughs) That's a lot. You know, this really helps you kind of get down, not to inbox zero, but just kind of eliminate your email overwhelm. Agreed. Completely agreed. Um, And then lastly, who is your go-to business resource? Just someone that inspires you and you always find yourself coming back to consume their content or, you know, things like that. Oh my gosh. I, you know, I have so many again. I, so I'm going to, I'm going to start big and kind of bring it down. So I'm a big podcast person. I love listening to podcasts and, you know, for me, I'm not in the car a lot, but it's when I am, it's, uh, it's something that I just enjoy doing because it gives me an opportunity to learn more about business and about, you know, marketing areas I'm not familiar with. So I do like, I love um, you know, I like, like I've listened to you, like I love listening to, um, the gold digger podcast. That's a big one for me, but in general, people that I really aspire to are, I think business owners who have maybe taken a little bit of a different path or have kind of a different story. So like, I love people like Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, who, you know, really kind of just fell into her business. Um, she had a great idea. And she's even said, I heard her speak once, and she said that when she started Spanx or before she started Spanx, she didn't know what she wanted to do. She didn't have, um, you know, an idea, but she knew she wanted to create something that made women feel good. And going back to what I was saying about being an entrepreneur, like, I think that's sort of the, the, that's the heart of it, right? It's people who just really want to do something that makes a difference. Yeah. and create something that that helps people. And so I really like listening to her and other people like her who are building businesses based on the why. I'm a big, you know, start with why fan. So Simon Sinek, if you haven't um, seen him or read his books, start with why. But I, to me, you building a good business, whether you're product-based or service-based, you really should understand your why. And I just, I I enjoy following entrepreneurs who are building businesses that truly get that. No, I love that. Your why is so important and, you know, it can definitely change and alter over time, but just kind of bringing back to that core value that why you started and why you're doing what you're doing is so important. And it really helps you align your business and yourself, um, you know, with what's going on currently. So I definitely think that's really important. Agreed. Yeah. So tell us where we can find you, your website, your social channels, anything like that. Sure. So uh, our website is one for women. So it's O-N-E-F-O-R women, W-O-M-E-N.com. And then we are on Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and Facebook at one for women. Uh, And yeah, that's where you can find us. We've got lots of great gift sets uh, coming up. And for anyone who is listening, if you use the word podcast, you will get 10% off your order. Awesome. Yeah. I'll leave all of this in the show notes so everyone can go check you out. She has some really great stuff in her shop and I imagine she's going to be adding more like she just said. So go check it out. It's really, really cool. 
Um, and you know, if you want to support a women-owned business and women-owned sellers, you know, that's the way to go. So thank you so much for being a guest. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com slash episode 56. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Babes Community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Social Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.